right, everyone. You may be seated. Mm. Listen, I, uh, I love hearing us sing. I got to be honest with you. And I like it when we enjoy it. That makes me really, really happy because the bottom line is God's worthy of praise. Like he's worthy of just of all the praise. It's not supposed to be emotionless and just stiff and rigid. Worshiping God is supposed to be something that's, that's emotional and active and vibrant and alive because he's vibrant and alive and real, and, and that requires real worship. Uh, so I'm going to make two announcements, and then I'm going to pray. Here's the two announcements. Uh, the first one is uh, Brother Steve wanted me to let you know that if you want to be part of the praise team, because I'm looking out here, and I know that some of you got some skills y'all are sitting on, all right? So like, like, if that's something God's calling you to, we'd like to see that worship ministry grow more and more and more. So that's something you want to be a part of. You talk to Brother Steve after the service or come here Wednesday night at 730 and we'll get it all figured out, all right? So Wednesday night, 730, if you want to be part of the worship team or the, the praise team, come and get it done. Uh, the other thing is this. Um, we still want to figure out ways to reach our community and our neighborhood. We, we want to find out ways to do that. So we want to have as many... Um, touches and as much contact as, as we can. And one of the great opportunities for us is coming up around Halloween. And so uh, we're going to do a trunk or treat. Uh, I, I forgot the date. It's in your bulletin, November something, something, something. I, I should have written that down. I wrote trunk or treat, but you can see it. All right, we're having a trunk or treat. Here's what we need. We need candy, lots of candy. We need you to invite your friends and come and hang out. And we need people that want to decorate their trunks. You can team up together on a trunk. You can get neighbors and friends to come and help you. But that's what we're doing in, November, in October, not November. Goodness. My wife is like three weeks away from having a baby, and I'm losing my ever-living mind. I can't even get it. October sometime, all right? We're, we're getting together. Read your bulletin. Y'all being kind. Y'all clapping for me. I'm stumbling up here like a lunatic. Uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to jump into the Word, but I'm going to pray before we get going because I obviously need it today. Let me, let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, you're worthy. You're, wor you're worthy of praise. God, we believe you're strong and you're powerful God, I believe you're gracious and kind and merciful. God, the list of reasons to praise you are endless. And we'll never tire of singing your praises. But God, we admit that sometimes our hearts grow dull. And so I pray that you would help us not to have hard hearts today. I pray that we'd have soft and tender hearts towards your word and your spirit. So God, God would, you, would you show up today? I'm asking that you would, you would come and you would work in our hearts. That you would help us to hear what you would say to us through your word. God, would you help me to teach? God, I'm praying that you would use my, my weak mouth to proclaim your endless and powerful gospel truth. So God, I'm, I'm praying today would be powerful because you were present and no one else would get the glory. So God, we look to you. And I pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we're gonna be continuing our series in Acts. And let me just say this. Following Jesus is, is full of joy and satisfaction and peace and comfort. Like, there are a lot of things that are really good about following Jesus. Right? And we, we talk about those things all the time. Like, that it just gives you a peace and suffering, a comfort and hardship, that it makes you really, like, truly happy. Listen, there's a million good things. But one of the things that you'll discover very quickly when you decide to follow Jesus is that it's not just good and awesome, it can also be hard. 
Like you start following Jesus, and listen, eventually or very quickly, you're going to meet resistance, or you're going to encounter suffering, or just straight up for real attack. You, you may feel that resistance start to boil up inside of you. It'll start to grow there, with whether that's temptation to sin or, or doubt and lack of faith that's kind of going on in your heart, and you're like, man, I, I don't know, like, is this, is this real? Or you, maybe you start feeling it from family. And friends, they might start saying, I don't, I don't like this new you. I like the old you. I don't like the new you. I don't like this new thing that's happening in you. And you'll feel this pull to leave Jesus and go back to what you were doing before. Or, or maybe it's not with family and friends. Maybe your family's set, but maybe at work or at school or at life, you feel this pressure, this, this pressure to compromise, this, this pressure to be silenced, this pressure just to keep your head down and stay out of all the, no, everyone's radar, especially in today's culture, feels that, that's, that's mounting. You feel the pressure where, you, man, you almost just want to be quiet because no matter what you say, there's going to be this like explosion on you. And, and then you remember the teaching of Jesus, right? Where he, he described following him as taking up your cross and following him. I would have liked a better image. I like my recliner. Take up your recliner and come and follow me, right? He said, take up your lazy boy. He said, take up your cross. The way that you're going to die, the, the path of death, like pick up this hard and painful and difficult thing and follow me. And then when I think about where he went when he picked up his cross, I'm following him not just carrying my cross, I'm following him to the cross. I'm following him to death and to suffering and, and to rejection. Man, whew, started thinking about that and I'm like, dude, I don't know, this this feels hard, and so I begin to ask this question. How are we supposed to respond when that suffering and that resistance actually comes our way? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, maybe you took a risk of sharing the good news with someone at work, and then that email from your boss for a meeting with HR pops in your inbox, right? You need, like, y'all know what I'm talking about? Or right, that, that night before, or maybe you don't even get a night, maybe you got five minutes to show up into HR. They're not going to give you time to plan that, right? Like your stomach gets in knots, there's anxiety and fear, or, or, or that moment you go to engage a neighbor and all of a sudden they're coming over for dinner and you're totally freaking out because you're like, man, this could go real south, especially the, they're on the HOA or whatever thing is happening. Like you, you feel it, right? And so as, we, as we've been diving into the book of Acts, here's what we've seen. The church has exploded, and we're about to watch the very first moment of resistance and suffering and pressure to say, stop it. Just stop that whole Jesus thing. That's what's about to happen. And I'm asking this question for us as I read this passage. How are we supposed to respond when the pressure heats up? When, when you feel resistance and threats and persecution, like... Listen, I'm nervous about this passage. I don't want us to get some type of victim mentality where every little thing where someone doesn't like it, we're like, persecution? I, I'm not looking for that. But we do know that, that the waves of culture seem to be coming up and they're ready to crash down on us if we're trying to follow Jesus. That, that seems real, right? Like You can look around and find out very quickly if you want to be true to Jesus and his word, it's not going to be popular. You're going to get labeled a whole lot of things by a whole lot of people from every which way, sometimes even in the church. 
And listen, man, I want to see what they do. And I want, let's see what they do, because it's been exploded. They went from 120 to 3,000 in just one day. And then last week, Peter's walking into the temple, and he sees a crippled guy, and he, he heals him. And, dude, this huge crowd comes running up. He starts preaching the gospel, and that's where we're picking up. He's preaching the gospel. He's pointing them to Jesus. And, dude, let's see what happens. This huge crowd is gathered around. Chapter 4, verse 1 of the book of Acts. And as they were speaking to the people... They're up there, they're preaching the good news of Jesus. They're speaking to the people, the priests, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, and they're greatly annoyed. I guess that's serious agitation. They're irritated, they're frustrated, they're angry. Why are they upset? They're not upset because some man got healed. They're not upset because they're studying the Bible together. No, no, no. They're upset because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They walk up and they see this big crowd gather around and and they hear Peter and John talking about Jesus and him dying on the cross and him coming back from the dead and it just drives them crazy. I mean, they're livid about it. And mid-sermon, look at this, mid-sermon, they have them arrested, verse three. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. They're gonna sit the night in jail for it was already evening. And look at this. This is crazy. Like mid-sermon, can you imagine that? Doesn't have an invitation. Doesn't have any kind of cool music kicking in the background. He's mid-sermon. Kick down the door. Arrest the guy that's preaching. Walk him out. And then here's what happens in verse 4. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of men came to about 5,000. Bro, okay, like I don't know what kind of sermons Peter is preaching. But, bro, if I could do a fraction of that, I'd be like, this is crowded at the finish. I'm done. I'm walking off. And 5,000 people are just like, dude, I want Jesus. Like, this is, dude, this is awesome, man. This is, this is the work of God. I mean, it's the Spirit coming down and burning in hearts. Like, like you, they can, they're hearing them talk about Jesus. That's what I want, man. I want, I want Jesus. I want him and him alone. Like, like the, the miracle is one thing, but it wasn't just the miracle. They wanted the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, church, do you remember when you first heard that good news? Like I bet you probably couldn't wait for the pastor just to shut up and get to the invitation so you could meet Jesus, right? Or that first time when your friend was talking to you and you were like, okay, I, I've heard enough. I know I want Jesus. Like that moment when your heart is burning, you don't need a full fancy five-point presentation, Right, like I, I don't know. When I was growing up, we would do all sorts of things. Like we did faith evangelism. Y'all remember that evangelism explosion? Listen, those are all great things. I don't. There's newest and greatest. It's always coming out. They got. Ever seen the Evangel Cube? Any of y'all seen that thing? If you shake your head no, I'm really happy for you. That like that there's always a presentation that's out there, and those are helpful because you want to know how to say the full and complete gospel, but. But the reality is, man, what people need is when you're speaking the gospel, it's the spirit that's doing the work in their heart. I, I want you to feel some relief. When you're at your dinner table with your neighbor, don't feel the pressure that you got to stick the landing with the perfect illustration. All you need is you need the spirit to be present and you need to say the good news of Jesus Christ and let God work. Uh, we, we, get, we get all wrapped up in all these presentations. And I'm not saying those are bad training. I'm just saying there's something you need more than a slick presentation. 
There's something you need more than just the perfect ambiance and setting. You need something more than Billy Graham in a pulpit. You need the Spirit to work. Listen, he, he gave us the Spirit. And when you go out with the good news, the Spirit is with you. And even if you don't finish the message... The Spirit can take the good news and drive it to a heart and make them come awake and alive and follow hard after him all the days of their life. The reason the early church was powerful was not because the sermons were slick. It's because the Spirit was present. And did you see it right there in this moment? The man doesn't even finish the sermon. No, but I got, I got questions here. We weren't talking about the Spirit. I'm trying to go towards what do you do in suffering like I, I'm reading that, and here's Peter and John and probably this guy that just got healed. They get arrested, and they're being dragged to sit in the prison overnight. And, and I started to wonder. I wonder if they were surprised by this. I wonder if the people in the church were just like, listen, God is moving. God is moving. This is great. God is moving. And then all of a sudden, you feel all this, this awesomeness of the church and this beauty of the church. Like, who would ever resist this? Why would you resist? I mean, God just healed the man. What are you upset about? Like, and I wondered if the people that were followers of Jesus were there, the very first thing they see is the dude in handcuffs or tied up, taken to jail. I mean, can you imagine that? And you still get saved? That's crazy. They're like, I want that. I want that more than getting tied up. I don't care if you tie me up. I need Jesus. But out of the gate, there's this suffering. It reminded me of this passage. You flip with me to 1 Peter Chapter 4, this is Peter writing, same dude that just preached that sermon, same dude that gets arrested and taken and thrown in jail overnight. He, he makes this statement because for his whole life, he did not want believers in Jesus to be surprised by suffering. You don't need to be surprised by this. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. He said, beloved, people or people that I love, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Like, hey, when you're following Jesus, don't be shocked when it gets really hard and really heated and you feel it, you feel like you're walking through the fire. Don't be surprised when it comes, as if there's some kind of weird thing that's happening. Don't be surprised by it, because it's supposed to come. He says this, don't be surprised. Instead of being surprised, verse 13, but rejoice, but, but, but celebrate. Why? Insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. Like, like listen, here's, here's what Peter and them are thinking. Is there, here's what they want the church to know. When, when you follow Jesus, there will be resistance. But when it comes, don't be shocked. Like, oh, whoa, what, what just happened? Why, why are they so angry? Why are they so mad? Why does it feel so hard right now? Like, like why is that happening? I didn't feel like I was a jerk. I just told them that I believed in Jesus and it exploded in my family and wrecked the whole dag blasted thing. Like, don't be surprised. Rejoice because you get to share, you get to partner in the sufferings of Jesus. You, you get this privilege. Like, not just of Jesus being with you in suffering, but, but you're sharing in his suffering. You get this privilege, you're just like, I want you to be with me in this. I know, that may sound crazy, like, I don't want to share in suffering. Let me share in the riches, but not the suffering. But, but listen, 
what you get to do when you suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ is you get to suffer publicly in front of people that paints a picture and points them back to the suffering of Jesus. And that's what's happening. Listen, yeah, there were crowds that followed Jesus, but there was a lot of angry people that followed Jesus. There were people that loved Jesus and wanted to place their trust in Jesus, but there were also people that wanted to trap Jesus and trick Jesus and and get people to be mad at Jesus. There were people that killed Jesus. When you suffer, when you suffer at work, when you suffer in your family, when you suffer in your neighborhood, when you suffer for Jesus, you're actually with him in suffering. And that's a reason to celebrate. You're painting a more full picture of Jesus in front of the people around you. Now, I know it doesn't make it easy, but it gives you something to celebrate. And look at what else he says. I love, I love the fact that Peter is smart enough to know that, that our hearts can get a little tricky. Verse 14, uh, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Like if you're walking with him and you're insulted, that's a, man, that's awesome because that means God's spirit's in you. Verse 15, but let, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer as a meddler. Like in other words, he's saying, listen, don't do something stupid and then say, I'm suffering for Jesus. Like he knows how we get, like apparently he knew about Twitter and Facebook way back in this day. You know, the people that are just like, I'm going to say the meanest thing possible. I guess this was a thumbs now. I'm going to say the meanest thing possible with all caps and exclamation. That's insane. And then people are like, bro, you're a jerk. And you're like, suffering for Jesus. Right? Like, he's like, no, no, no. Don't, don't suffer because you're a jerk. Don't suffer because you behave bad. Don't do that. No, it's when you love people and you proclaim the gospel and you live with integrity and character and then the suffering comes, then that's when you're suffering with Jesus. All right, so don't, don't go blaming Jesus because you acted like a lunatic. All right, don't, don't blame him for that suffering. That's all you. You're not partnering with him in that. He didn't, he didn't suffer because he was foolish. He suffered because he was holy. And listen, when you stand up and you stand up for Jesus, there's suffering that's going to come your way. And, and listen, you get to embrace it. Verse 16 says this, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Like, man, I, I just love this. But don't, don't be ashamed. Listen, you stand up for Jesus and you do it with wisdom and integrity and love and the, the fire comes your way. Don't let that shame well up over you. You, you know what I'm saying? If you would have said this better, if you would have kept your head down, it would have been okay. If, if you were smarter or just maybe they're right, maybe Jesus isn't, like, shame can fill up when you start to suffer for him. Don't, don't let shame come in. Listen, don't, don't be a victim. That's, not, that's the opposite of victim mentality. You, you see victim in 1 Peter chapter 4? It says, don't be surprised. <gasps> Can't believe this is happening. I know you're sharing in the suffering of Jesus. You're glorying in it. You're celebrating. You're rejoicing. And you're not ashamed. You're not the victim. You're with the Savior. So when you suffer, don't don't play the victim. Don't whine in a little corner. We're standing with Jesus and we're celebrating and we're glorying and we're worshiping because we get to suffer with Jesus. And that's all fine and dandy from our cushy pews with air conditioning and fancy lights, right? We're, we got freedom 
None of us are nervous that we're getting thrown in jail today because of sharing Jesus. I'm not afraid the door's going to get kicked down and someone's going to haul me out of here. So it's great for me to go, listen, don't whine about it. Just just celebrate. Just be happy. Like, Like, if I'm Peter and James and the cripple guy and I'm sitting in prison overnight, I got all night to think about this, right? Like, this is overnight on purpose. You want, you want to let them sit in it. They want to simmer in the fear and the anxiety. They know who they're going before tomorrow, right? They know they're going before the same people that had no problem lying and bribing to get Jesus murdered. We know they like to murder. They've already done it. And they don't seem to be bothered by it at all. We, we know they're tricky. I mean, they, they moved the pieces and were able to manipulate Pilate and the crowds. They, they know how to politic, man. They got that, boom. They move those pieces around and they will get you. Listen, they also know they're smarter than them. I mean, this is what these dudes do all the time. They're going against the greatest, most powerful, most educated, most evil men in their entire country. And they get to think about it all night long. Yeah, don't be worried. Be happy. <laughs> right? Like I, I started chewing on that scenario. Saying, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to think about 1 Peter chapter 4, but then I wonder if they didn't have 1 Peter chapter 4 at that moment. They, they just had Jesus talking. And they had Peter, I guess, in the room, but, and they had the Spirit. But they, what are they doing? And, and here's what I think they might have been remembering. Now, listen, this is all conjecture by me, but I... I'm pointing to other passages that tell us how to suffer. Acts, or not Acts, Matthew chapter 10. This is Jesus talking. He says this awesome things to the disciples. And I wonder, I can imagine them mulling over the word and the teaching of Jesus as, as they're suffering in that moment. I, I can see them saying, okay, what is it that Jesus said about this? Don't be surprised by it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, he said this. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Man, I do not want to be a sheep in the midst of a wolf, a pack of wolves. I, I don't, I don't, maybe a shepherd. Send me out as a bear or a lion in the midst of wolves, but don't send me out as bait. Like, I'm dinner. This is, I got nothing. I'm a sheep. I got stupidity is what sheep are. They, they can bow. Like, you don't even give me a stick. I'm sending you out vulnerable and weakness right in the midst of those who want to devour you. Man. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Okay. Like, so your answer for these dudes wanting to eat me is wisdom and innocence. Don't scheme. Don't manipulate. Don't shift into power plays. Be wise and innocent. Because he says this in verse 17. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts, and they'll flog you, and they're going to beat you. And you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. I want you to be wise and innocent. Like, Don't be surprised by this. They're, They're coming after you. But I have you there to be my witness. 
Oh, man. And he says this to them. Verse 19, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you're to say. Don't, don't, get all, don't spend all night thinking about what words you're going to say to these guys. He, he wants you to do this. Here's the thing that you want. He says, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And don't, don't come up with this list because, listen, let me be honest with you. If I'm in jail all night getting ready to stand before the most tyrannical rulers in the history of, of, of the world that moment, I'm getting to stand before them, and they, they're going to want to try to kill me and trick me and do all this other stuff. Listen, if I'm supposed to plan my little speech for that one, I wonder what your speech looks like. Right, you're scribbling it down, a little napkin trying to figure out, you're writing on your hand, like I got three points I need to make for these guys. Maybe your game plan before that meeting with HR and your boss is, okay, how can I minimize this to not lose my job? Right? Fear kind of goes, no, 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 I was just, I can see Peter and them, hey, we were just, we're just trying to tell people about God. We don't want to know about God, we just healed the man. We're not trying to cause problems. Just let us tell everyone, let's do good and tell people about God. Peter Peter couches it that way, makes it slick and deliverable, he might get off the hook because he just says it's about God. doesn't actually point to Jesus because he knows that Jesus is a lightning rod in that conversation. If I say God, we can be saying the same thing and I can slip out. Maybe I can weasel my way out of this. Or maybe I'm just going to be quiet and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Like Maybe that's the approach. Or, or maybe the approach is different. Maybe you're not keep your head down and just, maybe you're not weaseling your way out of it. Maybe your approach is just straight rage. You killed, you killed my friend Jesus. I saw what you did. Right? You're just like, I may go down, but I'm going to make sure I light every single one of you up in this room before I do. And, and Jesus says, man, you don't need to stay up all night making your plot. You just didn't let the Spirit give you the words to say in that very hour. That's so anti my plan. I don't, I, don't, I don't like going into suffering without a plan. The plan is the Spirit. Because in that moment, what you need is you need the Spirit to give you the words to say. Let me come back to to Acts chapter 4. So they've been all up all night or they've been in jail all night talking with each other. Maybe they've been praying. Maybe they've been thinking about what Jesus said. But they know they're about to stand before these guys. Acts chapter 4. All these, the whole Sanhedrin gathers together. You need a picture. They probably sat in a little half circle of chairs. All these super rich, powerful men. And then you get brought out and you're standing right in front of them. Verse 7 of Acts chapter 4 and when they had set them in the midst, they inquired. They got one question, or technically it's kind of two, but by what power or by what name did you do this? Listen, they don't care if God worked. They don't want to know what God's doing. They've already demonstrated it. They care about one thing. Who are you giving credit to for this? Now, that's what we care about. We care about the politics of it and the power of it and the image of it. We want to make sure you're not making things harder for us as leaders of the country. You're not causing a, a rebellion or a riot. That's all they care about. Don't mess with my reputation. I don't, they don't care what's right. They say, who are you giving credit to for this? Now Peter, 
fisherman Peter, uneducated Peter, cowardly Peter. You remember Peter tucked down and running like two months before? You remember Peter that a little servant girl was like, don't, don't you know we're Jesus? And he's like, no, 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 not me. Three times denied Jesus Peter. Peter, there is no way that Peter is able to stand this. I mean, he doesn't have the internal fortitude for that. I don't even know if that's the right phrase. I just, he's not strong enough on the inside. That's, that's plain, right? He's already, he's showed that he's a coward and he's a moron, right? Like, he says stupid things. Like, don't, don't, don't let Peter be the guy that answers. Remember when he confronted Jesus and, like, no, not Peter. He's, he's cowardly and he says dumb stuff. It's Peter, man. Oh, here we go. Peter, uneducated Peter. Then Peter, but this is not the same Peter you met before. This is Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember that thing that God promised? Don't don't you freak out about what you're going to say because, Peter, you can't do it on your own. What you need is the Spirit to tell you what to say. Peter, filled with the Spirit. It's a total different human being when you're filled with the Spirit. You're not the same man. You're not the same woman when you're filled with the Spirit. He said to them, and we see the respect here, rulers of the people and elders. So impressed. He didn't start off snakes, vipers, scumbags, like political dirtbags, like you you murderers. He didn't start there. Started with respect. He said, yeah, yes, leaders and rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a cripple man, and, and by what means this man has been healed, then let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. We want you to know, we want everyone to know it, that it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Dude, it was Jesus. Jesus. Let me tell you what's Jesus, in case you're confused, whom you crucified. Oh, now, now, we're, now we're getting direct. Like, I'll tell you who it was. I'll answer your question. It was Jesus. You remember him, right? Like, y'all had him in here, and you gave him over to Pilate. You killed him. Whoo. Peter. Peter, this is not going to go well, man. Put a little sugar on that, and it'll go down smoother, right? Like this, this, don't do it that way. And then then he adds more. Not just whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. That one right there. By him, this man is standing before you well. And Peter's not done yet. He's saying, listen, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. You you rejected him. The, The builders who... He's become the chief cornerstone. He's talking about a passage in the Old Testament. He's like, that's, you rejected God and what he was doing. It was Jesus that did it. And you killed him, but God brought it from the dead. You rejected, you're rejecting God. And then he makes this amazing gospel statement here. He says, verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I mean, Peter's just like, it's just straight gospel. I mean, that's it. He's like, listen, I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to make it real clear so you don't get it confused. It's Jesus. You know, Jesus who you killed. But God brought him back from the dead. You've been rejecting God. You've been resisting God. Listen, but Jesus is the only way to get saved. Let me tell you what Peter's telling them right now. You've been rejecting God, but stop. Stop rejecting him. And trust in Jesus. 
And there's this invitation to these men to know it's Jesus is your only hope. Stop it. Stop rejecting him. That's the moment that he has, man. He's, he's sharing the gospel. He's telling him Jesus is the only way, man. I love this. He, he wants to be filled with the Spirit. He's showing respect, but he's running back to the gospel. And he's inviting them to stop the rebellion and place their trust in Jesus. You know, that, that phrase right there, we can be tempted. Uh, that verse has just, is so rich in verse 12. So there's, no, there's salvation in no one else. There's no other way to get saved. It's interesting that I think the pressure today to make people more satisfied with Jesus is to say he's one of the ways to get to God. I think the pressure we face today is, is to minimize and compromise on the good news of Jesus. Listen, the thing we would say today is, I'm glad Jesus works for you. You do you. And I'll do what works for me. If Jesus works for you, great, but he doesn't work for me. And that's not the message of the gospel. It's not you do you. It's Jesus. It doesn't matter what you think works for you. The question is what actually works. And the only way that God has said that people are going to get saved, the only way that works is Jesus and his gospel and his good. He's the only way. Listen, don't be resistant to Jesus being the only way. Don't be resistant to him being your only hope. Jesus is, hands down, the only way. He's always been the only way. He will always be the only way. Let me tell you what, what that truth does. So Peter, this knuckle-headed Peter, he just, in three sentences, that's all, he just gave three sentences, and look at the response. Three little sentences. Verse 14, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Don't, don't miss the irony of this. The most powerful men who are trying to intimidate these guys are the ones who are left speechless in that moment. Like, I got nothing to say. I, I don't, there's a healed dude, and but whatever he just said, I got nothing. Dude, that, that's not because Peter's speech is awesome. It was three sentences long. The Spirit doesn't need a long speech, which is a good note to all Baptist pastors. He doesn't need a long sermon. Moving on. Uh, I'll preach that to myself later. Verse 15, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what do we do with these men? Like, they go, what, are we, what are we supposed to do, man? Like, they're stumped. Now they got to have a, a group brainstorm session. What are we going to do with them? Because a notable sign's been performed to them. It's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Everybody knows, and we can't deny it. That's what they just said. But here's their concern. Always the politics. Never what is God doing. Always the image. Never what's right. Like, this is just the quickest way to death. Verse 17. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Hey, you can heal people. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. You can be nice to your coworkers, leave Jesus out of it, right? Like it's, it's all that stuff. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. I promise you this was filled with threats, right? It was not, hey, we would prefer if you wouldn't do this. No, this is like, this is that, this is your last write-up at work. Y'all do write-ups at work? I don't know. This is, this is, the, this is not the officer writing you like a nice warning. This is like, bro, if I see you here again, it's going to go real, real 
real bad. We clear? Like that, it's, that, it's that moment. It's that moment when your dad looks at you and says, hey, because you know what happens when I get moving, right? That's when, they, when my dad was Arabic, so the moment he went to stand up, it was just, if dad moves, I'm dead. That was kind of the rule. Uh, normally started by him throwing a shoe. That's another conversation. Don't throw shoes at your kids. Sorry, just bad parenting advice. Okay, look at Peter's response, verse 19. But Peter and John answered them. I'm not going to compromise. They're going to answer them with this simple statement. Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. Hey, I get it. That's your decision. If you, you've got to decide if I'm supposed to listen to you or I'm supposed to listen to God. But let me go ahead and fill you in on what I've decided. Look at this very next verse. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. Hey, I get it. You're in charge. And I get, but here's the decision you got to make. Am I supposed to listen to you or supposed to listen to God? Because I'm telling you, I, I can't keep my sh mouth shut about what I've seen God do. I cannot stop talking about Jesus. Man, when they threatened them further, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. They were all praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Listen, I, I love it. You see the Spirit work. The Spirit give these men the words to say, and when he works in that moment, they're not compromising. They're not hiding in fear. They're saying, okay, fine. If you got to beat me, if you got to imprison me, if you got to kill me, I, I get it. But it's Jesus, man, and I, I have to talk about Jesus. Listen, before we talk about, I'm not going to talk about how this We'll talk about that next week. But before we wrap up here, I, I just kind of want to ask, church, I, I got questions for us. Number one, how easy is it for you to be silenced into not talking about Jesus? I, I get it. I got I feel it, definitely feel it. I feel those moments where no one has to say a word to me to be quiet about Jesus. I just have to be afraid that they won't like it. Man, these dudes are staring down the most murderous counsel in their day and just saying, no, it's Jesus. That's all I can talk about. And I just need you to look at me sideways and I'll zip it. Church, don't. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid to talk about Jesus. Listen, maybe your fears, you don't know what to say. Listen, that's why God gave you the Spirit. You need to trust that he'll give you the words to say in that moment. Maybe you just, you don't want to suffer. The church, it, it's part of the gig. When you follow Jesus, you take up your cross. Listen, don't spend your time minimizing the cross and minimizing the suffering and the hardship of following Jesus. No, we pick it up and we cling to it and we carry it down the path of the crucifixion. That is being a follower of Jesus. Church, don't be afraid of suffering. Don't minimize the suffering. Embrace it and trust that God will meet you where you're at. And Got one last thing. For some of you here, you don't identify with suffering for Jesus. You identify with this. 
You've been resistant to Jesus. You're just like that Sanhedrin there that's been saying, man, I like religion, and I like God, and I like control, but this Jesus thing, I like him in a little box that doesn't mess with my life. And what's happening is you've been resisting Jesus. Stop resisting to him. Don't reject him. Like if you need to place your trust in Jesus, listen, here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus died on the cross for us and he came back to life three days later and he's saying, if you'll just trust him and let him be the cornerstone of your life, he's, he's the one I want. I'm not gonna reject him anymore. I'm gonna follow him. He says he'll save you and he'll clean you and he'll forgive you and he'll make you a son or daughter. And yeah, the path will be the path of crucifixion, but the end is life with God. It's joy, it's peace. It's satisfaction that you've never known. Like church, if you're here today and you've never placed your trust in Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that today. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to guide us in a, a little time of response. And as I walk us through this time of response, listen, if we're going to do communion after response time, but if you need to do business with God, these, this altar will be open. We'll have pastors and decision counselors down front. You can speak with them at any moment. But can I ask you right there in your seat, man, you've been afraid to share Jesus? Listen, if, you, if you've been afraid, if fear is keeping your mouth shut, listen, I'm asking you to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves and to not be afraid to be a person you can't help but speak about what God has done. Would you pray and ask God to forgive for being afraid and ask him to help you do this? If you're afraid that you've lacked wisdom in it, would, would you ask God for wisdom? God, God, help me know how to navigate this culture or this neighborhood or this work environment or this family. God, I need wisdom to be able to do this. Help me. Just, you can ask him for wisdom right there in your seat. Or maybe you haven't been afraid and, and you, you haven't been lacking wisdom. You've been scheming about how to sneak through this and minimize the suffering of the cross for you. Would you just stop, pick up your cross, and follow him? If you've been resistant to Jesus, I just want to encourage you today don't leave here without placing your trust in Jesus. Stop resisting, stop rejecting, and just place your trust in him. You may have grown up in church. Maybe this is your first time visiting a church. I don't know. But wherever you're at, if you need to place your trust in Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that. moment I'm going to pray and if you need to do business with God is, um, we'll have some music playing for a few minutes if you need to do business with God now is the time for you to do it if you need to pray now is the time let me, let me pray for us Heavenly Father God I pray for us as a church um, I pray we'd be people that would follow you I, I pray we'd be a people that would love you and trust you but I pray we'd pick up our cross and follow you I pray we wouldn't be afraid of suffering God, I pray that we would trust that your spirit would give us the words to say, but I, God, I pray we would take the good news of what you've done and we would spread it. 
And I pray that all in Jesus' name, amen.